Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Block Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Um, I'm going to train on you. You're um, oh, hi everybody. Hi, everybody. This is Trina Ramsey, and welcome to another edition of the Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora. And we are a collection of black and brown sisters who come together to discuss topical issues of race, social, and economic justice gender equality, and everything in between. So we really deal with all things about being a woman, being a woman of color, especially in this country. And tonight we are very blessed to have with us the author, Joy Thomas Moore, who is discussing her book, The Power of Presence, Be a Voice in Your child's ear even when you're not with them. And also, if I'm not mistaken, Joy, a, P- a Peabody Award winner, is that right? Yes. I won it for a documentary series in radio years ago. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. I am delighted and, to be with you guys. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear more about your journey and about your uh, relationship with your son. Um, We also have with us other members of the Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora team. Sabrina Wood. Hello. And then we also have Angela Fraser. Giles and Nikichi Taifa, who are both together. Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> They're at a remote location this evening, um, kicking yeah, off a special retreat. <laughs> so, so Joy, can you tell us a little bit about your book and why you decided to write it? Hey, sure. Trina, before we do that. Trina, before we do that, um, Nikichi's going to do a little bit more of an introduction to Joy, and then we'll. we'll oh, go wonderful! Into that. Even better. Okay, great! Oh my God, I'm so very excited to be here with our revolutionary sisters of the diaspora and our very special featured guest this evening, Joy Thomas Moore. And I don't think it's supposed to be defined by our children, but I first met Joy 
more through her body, the phenomenal Westmore, who's the author of the other uh, Westmore, whose memoir about overcoming the obstacles that face a fatherless young black man with a huge bestseller. But now he has his mama. <laughs> Another huge bestseller, the author of The Power of Presence. Be a voice in your child's ear even when you're not with them. Now, you know, Joy and I, we kind of share um, some similarities. Uh, she spent 15 years with the NEKC Foundation. I spent 15 years with another um, foundation. Uh, with philanthropy, you know, we get to um, do some good things. And she did a lot of great things, particularly with um, disadvantaged children and their families while at NEKC. But she currently has her own consulting firm, JWF Media Consulting, and as expressed earlier, she's a Peabody Award uh, winner. And, I, you know, we're going to hear about her book in just a moment, but, you know, it's really for single parents, all parents, but particularly single parents and caregivers who worry about the time they spend away from their children. And sometimes you don't have to be single. I can't do it. Uh, uh, worried about the time, particularly professional black women that we send away from our, our children. So welcome, uh, Joy, and I want you to just let us know, how are you doing? How can you be a good parent, have a career, stay healthy, all of that as a single mother, take it away. Oh, well, thank you, Nikichi. I, I, I remember the well, the, well, the the day that you and I met. I had to stand in for Wes at um at an OSF yeah. function, and I was scared to death. I have you know. <laughs> yeah, and um, you were there. You were well, thank you. No, and I mean, I and I. It actually, I think, really brings me to the whole point. You know, one of the reasons that um, I wrote the book was because you know people kept asking Wes. You know, and this is what almost nine years ago now. Um, well, so what did your mother do? You know, how did she? You know, that kind of thing. And he said he never felt comfortable answering because it wasn't his story to tell. And um, you know, so once. I again, my first reaction was, okay, no, I'm, I, I don't write. I've written for television. I've written for radio. I've written for newspaper. I don't write books. Um, but then, you know, I think people just kept saying, well, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to sort of put yourself out there. And I think we as, as black women are often called to do that. And um, and once I sort of got the notion that, okay, yeah, we do have a story to tell, and oftentimes women, um, particularly single moms, are never really looked at as experts. Now, I never considered myself an expert. I was an experimenter, and some things worked, some things didn't. But along the way, I did gain some expertise. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that there was value in that. But the thing that got me over the top was I said, okay, I don't want our family to be considered sort of exceptional, um, you know, like pull your stro- you know, self up, you know, from your bootstraps kind of thing. Because there's so many, there are millions of single moms out there every day, always have been, all you know, holding up, you know, doing things that, um, you know, things out of no way, um, but finding a way. To I said, if I could tell some of those stories as well, 
then, you know, I think I could do it. And the publisher said yes, and here's the book. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Well, Joy, this is Wonderland. It's an incredible book. Um, and I, I, I know that uh, our co-hosts, all of us, have questions for you um, based on the book itself overall. Um, but some of the themes that have come out of the book that I just want to kind of throw out there because I think that um, I I was never a single mom. I don't have kids of my own. My husband has two kids. But I had um, a niece um, that I helped raise. I mean, um, her mom and her dad were together. But mm. I felt like I was sometimes a parent because I was 13 years older than her. And she was my little girl. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of the some of the challenges that single moms go through, um, and I can't even imagine doing it because I can barely sometimes get myself together to um, take a shower, you know, have breakfast, do all the things you're supposed to do for yourself. And I just couldn't even imagine. And at one point, I was taking care of my two nephews, mm-hmm. and I remember just getting up in the morning, and all I could do was take a shower. That was a huge thing. Just take mm-hmm. a shower because they were two years old twins and were potty training. I thought of them wow. as my mom. So when, mm. when I, I want to talk about some of the themes um, in the book, uh, particularly the pillars, but um, something I just saw was lessons from a lioness. Do not fight against your pain. And mm. I was hoping you could just you could go into that just a little bit. Do not fight against your pain and what that meant to you in terms of, of, of this book. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. What um, so sort of the metaphor that I use throughout the book is one of a lioness, because that's the only sort of feline that works in a pride. They live in prides, and the women or the, the female lionesses, um, they have a sisterhood, you know, similar to the the sisterhood of the diaspora, where they work together, they they uh, raise each other's cubs, um, they break up, you know, some. Stay in the in the pride, while others go out to do the hunting. They're the hunters. The lion. I'm not sure all what he does. Yes, I do know what he does. He roars. He goes to the city of Oz and gets all the credit. But it's it's the lion who does the work. And um, so um, and that's what I see that we as women, helping each other, and supporting each other, because you know we've. We've always had this struggle, you know, as women, particularly women of color, when, you know, when government policy says that you can't have a man in the house, therefore, you know, who is it that's going to help you, you know, on a daily basis? And, in fact, it is your neighbor down the street or your sister or your, you know, your auntie. You know, they're the ones who sort of kept the, the family, you know, help keep the family together when the, the mom or the lioness had to go out to, to work. So um, so what that particular, so that's why I use the lioness as a metaphor throughout, and after each story I do lessons from the lioness. You know, what, what does this tell us? And in that particular one, in terms of fighting, you know, um, against the pain, you know, when you, we all, you know, experience devastating situations in mine, in my, you know, life, it was the death of the sudden death of my husband and the father of the kids. Um, literally overnight, um, he was gone, and um, so I was a 32-year-old widow with three kids. 
And um, I was devastated. My heart was shattered. I didn't know how to put the pieces back together. I certainly didn't know, you know, how to move on without him. But I knew I had to because of the kids. So fighting against your pain is, okay, picking yourself up, you know, figuring out, okay, I've got to do this. Along the way, you're going to get the help of people to move you beyond that. And um, But you have to acknowledge that there is pain and you have to fight through it. So that's basically what that one means. Okay, thank you very much. I have chills right now. Oh. Yeah, Trina, I'm sure you do. No, I mean, it it really is. You know, and and one of the things that that really bothers me is that they – I think all women, at some point or another, even if you are a couple, like in my in my case, my mom, my dad, they were married before my dad passed. They were married almost 57 years, but a lot of those years he was um, he did work for the church and he was like doing disaster relief all over the world. So there were months at a time when he wasn't home. So technically, mm-hmm. during those months, she was a single mom. And you can have moms who are in the corporate world and, you know, their husbands may be, you know, away. Or, you know, she may be in the corporate world and he's a single parent, you know, during those times when, you know, he's away. So I think at some point, even though we the the numbers are, you know, X number of single mothers, the number is much higher because at certain points people become single parents. For I have a friend who was a... Um, she took care of her niece and nephew when um, her sister was deployed. So at that oh. moment in time, she was a single mom. So the numbers really do expand, um, you know, when you when you look when you really look at it. Yeah, I um, in thinking about someone being deployed. I'm also thinking about a lot of you know the work that we do. Many of us do. Um, in terms of criminal justice work, that we see, we see, you know, grandmothers become parents again, and they're the single parent, right, raising their grandkids because their child has gone to prison. Um, and so we, we tend to step up and do what we need to do, um, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that it has to happen that way, you know, and not, not have the support. Um, so I, I want to turn it over to my, the co-host um, on the other end, the other side of of, of, of Maryland, <laughs> um, and just as you know, just let them ask their, their questions. We we do definitely want to get into the pillars that you discussed, but I'm going to turn it over to I'll turn it over to Trina, and Trina can turn it over to Sabrina, and we'll come back on this side. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, so I am a, a single mother of two, and mine are in their twenties now. And um, I've I was <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and I I I've been divorced for over ten years. And I keep saying to myself, it's a good thing that I don't I, I lost count because that means that you know I'm not connected to that piece mm-hmm. of it anymore. Um, but I do. I mean, just this. And I also my mom was a single mom. So I definitely the whole idea of the lioness. And the pride, and it, a lot of that resonates so much for me. Um, and so 
and then we're going to get into the specific pillars, but considering what you went through, being widowed at such a young age and having three children, what would you say was the number one takeaway you had from that experience that had you turn out remarkable children and a best-selling author in his own right? Wow. Well, <laughs> um, I think probably number one was realizing that I had to step up because the mm-hmm. kids were dependent on me. And, I mean, I learned from them every day. You know, things that I uh, – one of the things Susan Taylor, who, who's one of the women that I, I interviewed, says that, um, you know, she's just happy that her daughter survived her. Um, in many ways, <laughs> I feel the same way. You know, right? you make mistakes. And but you have to pick yourself Oof. up and you have to keep trying because that's what you know we have to do. That's what we always had to do. And um, so, but then being able to accept, to ask for, and accept help when we need it, I think is a really yeah. a critical thing because you know we're you know black women are strong, black you know all of this. No, we sometimes, you know, I, I say, you know, in the book, sometimes you have to, you know, lose your pride to gain a pride. Mm. Oh, and I love that. Do that. We don't do that enough. And there are people out there who are willing to help. There are organizations, you know, that I have a, a website that I now have been collecting, you know, vetted organizations that are helpful to, you know, to, to parents and to single moms in particular. Because they are out there, but we oftentimes don't know about them, and therefore we don't utilize them. Hi, this is Sabrina, yeah. and uh, um, and I, I, I think a few of the things that you said just really resonated with me. And I, now I am not a single; I'm not a mom at all, single or otherwise. Um, <laughs> and I, but I, you know, so many of my friends are. Uh, but one thing that struck me when I was reading the book is that almost every single one of the situations came. To the fact of it was some sort of devastation. I mean, what you're talking about is like you know you had to get you had to get up. There was a, a force. I mean, you know, you were forced into these situations either by mm. you know being widowed or you know the, the the grandmother whose daughter died and she had to take the grandkids in or mm. you know whatever it is that happened. So first of all, there's some sort of calamity that has to happen. I mean, even the breakup of a marriage. There's there's some there's some big tear, some big emotional wound, first of all, that you have to overcome, which is, you know, you, you don't, I mean, this luxury of people just deciding they want to have a baby and be single, you know, that doesn't happen. You know, you know, it's right. always oh, some right. other way that it's happened. Yeah, and it's, I, I, I think that's what really struck me, so that I think I have a new um, sensitivity that when somebody says they're a single mom, that there's this past that you know nothing about of how they how they got there, and that they're forced into the situation, and that force is making making them be ultra creative, and I think that was the one thing. And in that asking for help, I think that is something that I think you know when I was reading a lot of the book that you just have to do this because you, you just can't do it alone. You've got to ask for that help from the pride. Right, exactly. You know, so the, sometimes the whole you know the the whole the name itself, single mom you know, a single parent's family, it's a misnomer 
because you can't yeah. do it alone. It is a yeah. team sport. Um, you know, it's just a matter of what team you're going to put together. You know, I mm-hmm. was lucky that I had the family that I had and then the girlfriends that I had, you know, from college, and we were all, you know, really, really close. So, um, but, you know, recreating that pride that's going to support you through, you know, through the sort of the growing up stage of your, of your kids is just critical. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I just have to jump in there on the, one of my mentors, and it was a hard lesson to learn about asking for help. And I remember times when I'm, like, on the phone and there are tears just streaming down my face. And it's not because of the pain. It's because of the having to confront how committed I had been to the mask, to, like, you know, showing that you have it all together. But, no, I don't. This this is about to fall apart. And if you don't open your mouth, it's going to be some trouble. Um, But it's real. It's a that, real that was a great, great part of the book where you were saying uh, the lioness has to. What was it? The lioness has to roar. You know, you have to, you have. Mm-hmm. And if you can't advocate for yourself, maybe it's easier for you to advocate for others. Well, you know yeah. that sometimes when you can't find, you can't speak up for yourself. I think that was the paragraph that really got me. I I highlighted it in my Kindle that women a lot of times cannot ask for themselves, but they can for others, and you know somehow you know, get into some kind of a, a a way where you're doing it for other people and you'll get it done for yourself as well. I thought exactly. that was really interesting. You find strength. You, that helps you find your own strength. Mm-hmm. When, and, and that's, I think, the, the lesson, you know, teaching our kids, one of the things that, you know, that's critical to, to sort of pass on to our kids, that, you know, oftentimes you, they, you have to sort of believe and fight for something bigger than yourself. And in yeah. that, you'll then find the strength within yourself to move forward so um yeah and and kids learn by watching us you know, they sure do all day long you know what to do but that i do know and that's when you know that's that's the lesson that they'll get not what you say hmm. yeah so well, this is the teaching um my uh the, the my husband the father of my a daughter and i broke up when she was about uh, two and a half years old, and I don't know why I might have just had this black superwoman <laughs> complex or something. I mean, I don't know because I was the primary prim- primary provider um, mm. before we broke up, and then after uh, we broke up, I made sure that she was engaged in all the activities that I thought was important. Mm-hmm. Um, it was even so bad. I'm even kind of ashamed to admit this, and I'm really my friends don't probably don't even know this, but I mm. consider myself such a superwoman that when the father of my daughter, my ex-husband, was incarcerated during her early childhood, this was after we had broken up. I never mm. even saw her as a child of the incarcerated parent because I was the parent. I was the caregiver. It wasn't, and this is the book that I do. I'm super embarrassed. Mm. It wasn't until really several years ago that it dawned upon me she was at a program. You know, my goodness, I advocate for this all the time. My daughter, my daughter, was a child of an incarcerated parent, and I did not even see it that because I considered myself the superwoman who did it all. I was a parent. I feel very ashamed about that, and I don't know 
psychologically what concept that's called or anything along those lines, but we can't do it all. And we should not we cannot be super women all the time. I remember Viola um Davis and um how to get away with murder in one of her uh, one of the shows that
to be married to get benefits or to have, you know, yeah. whatever. But it was, again, yeah. that's that very patriarchal um Absolutely. I Attitude. Know, probably remembers too because I know um, I don't know if OSF was, you know, got into that kind of you know sort of thinking, but I know at the Casey Foundation, we had to have like the just to sort of keep the balance, um, the perception of balance in in thought. You had you know had studies on on uh, on marriage. In the White House, there was actually an office that dealt primarily with marriage. And all of the fatherhood uh-huh. organizations, you know, had to, in order to get money from the federal government, had to have some kind of, you know, um, marriage component. And, wow. um, you know, that that really, it, it didn't really help, obviously, because, mm. you know, we figure uh, there's still, you know, a good 50% of marriages that, that end in divorce. But um, but that whole thinking that the only the only strong family was one that was you know had a, a man and a woman and uh, and that's how you therefore raise strong kids and 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 that's just not true you know the the family structure is changing you know if, if kids that come out of a family you know a single parent family can be just as strong and productive than as a, a two parent family. You know, kids that come out of a family with two moms or two dads or, you know, whatever the case may be, can be just as strong and viable as any other um, so-called traditional family structure. Right. Couldn't agree more. And, Nikichi, did you have something to add? No, I was just agreeing. I was saying absolutely. Um, it's interestingly, I know during the Obama administration, um, there was a huge emphasis on black male achievement and um, issues dealing with black men and um, boys. Uh, and in fact, um, Samantha P. Um, um, was very much engaged, and still is in that uh, as well, in dealing with the negative and derogatory and stereotypical um, images that have been out there dealing with black men and what they were seeking to rectify and provide some balance um, there. That's interesting seeing the um, differences um, between the uh, administration um, and the issues. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, and that, that really is so important because I think you, you people are making choices whether or not to get married or not, but it should be based on whether or not you are compatible with that person, not that there are not any eligible men, you know, to to, to hook up with. Mm-hmm. And, of course, um, yeah. So, you know, I think it, we have to raise our sons differently. Um, we have to raise them not to, um, to, to really respect the women, in a way that they should be respected. And, again, a lot of that is, you know, what they see uh, at home. And um, and so I think that initiative is is incredibly important, but so is the initiative for women and, women, you know, uh, women in empowerment. We need to yeah. see each other and come to each other as equals in a situation, in a relationship, 
and um, and that's when you get a strong union. You know, it, whether whether you call it a family or a partnership or whatever the case may be, it can only be when the people are you know look at each other with respect <coughs> and um, and mutual admiration. Because the kids see that too. That's right. You know, they sure see that when it's yeah. not that way. Mhm. Yep. And they either they either emulate um, um, mm-hmm. knowingly or unwittingly, or they basically make these kind of very broad, you know, decisions in reaction to, like, oh, I'll never get married because I don't, you know, this is I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to my children. I'm not going to whatever, whatever. And so then, mm-hmm. you know, is that a good re- response? Not necessarily because marriage isn't, right. you know, necessarily bad either, you know. But it's a, it's about being able to talk to them, and 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 be honest, you right. know. And that's actually one of the things that I I will say that I probably was more guilty of trying to keep things from my children. Um, and as they've gotten older, we've been able to have more frank conversations. And you're right, so, you know. There's like, yeah, we knew. Yeah, we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched to see what you were going to do. <laughs> well, that's it. Kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally, you know, I say it and I, I truly mean it. I learn from my kids. I mean, to this day, every day. I used to learn mm. from them when they were little. Um, and and they just, they're intuitive. And I don't know, um those of you who who have had kids, um, I know with my little ones. Every time I was upset, when you know they were infants, right? Every time I was upset, they would cry more. Mm. When I was calm, they were fine. They pick up. I mean, from those very first moments, they pick up on our emotions, and mm-hmm. um, or or in the case, I mean, like. I have a, a chapter in the book about smoking, and I thought I was fooling them a lot of times when, you know, I would try to go outside and have a cigarette or, you know, do this. And they knew. They knew I was smoking. <laughs> they could smell it. <laughs> so, you know, so well, you know, this is Sabrina again. And, and that whole idea that you're talking about, that kids see it all, and even if we try to, you know, hide it from them, whether I, I, I'm the CPA in the group, and, I found the chapter on the uh, the financial chapter about how you dealt with the kids really, really interesting. That um, you know, where you were saying like because of you, the parent being someone that if you were crazy about money, you know, you were going to influence them to be crazy and 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 desperate about money. Or if you were the other way, and if you overly spoiled them about money. And then you were going to have this kid that just didn't see the value in money and thought money was just, just comes out of the ATM machine, you know? Exactly. And I, yeah, and I thought this was really fascinating. And I think one of the reasons why I think that you put this in there, well, you tell me why you put it in there, but I think what you were saying, you had a lot of facts about the, the effect of money on the single household, the single parent household, and how devastating it is, number one, because women are getting paid less. And mm-hmm. now you are making less, and there are just all these things that are burdening you that, again, it's a it's something that gets forced on you to train the kids about money, whereas maybe in a two-family home, you know, these kids aren't going to learn about money until they are already, you know, have five credit cards after they come out of college, and now they got to hey. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah, right. 
Yeah. So and can you talk sort of, a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, sure. Um, well, they're just fundamental um, sort of money things that um, they can learn from very little. That's why I talked about this at bank that uh, I started using when I was in the foundation and sort of used it in the financial literacy initiative that was throughout the, the, the country. And these banks are divided up into four sort of compartments. You know, you give, you save, you spend, and um, you invest. And so, you know, sort of learning those basic sort of ways to manage money early on is the foundation for what's going to happen. You know, and I think a lot of times when when, when families, single-parent families are struggling, or any family is struggling, but primarily single families, um, and especially if there is a male child, and he thinks that, okay, I've got to take up the slack because, you know, mm-hmm. you know how many hours, barely see her, and she's trying to do this, but I want, <laughs> right now, I want these sneakers, I want, you know, these designer jeans, whatever the case may be. So that is just like a, a, a way, almost a gateway to get into something criminal, to make that mm-hmm. And if the mom right. is saying, we, ain't, we don't have this and, you know, blah, 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 you know, and sort of puts that burden on that child, that's sort of encouraging that child to do that. So we have, wow. to, I, we have to really walk wow. that fine line where, yeah, we, we need things, but we don't have to go there to get that. Right, right. You know, we have to work hard, you know, it may take a little longer, but um, so you know, teaching things like you know deferred gratification. Deferred gratification, I love that. Uh, <laughs> Embracing you know, deferred gratification. I need to learn this myself, Joy. But <laughs> I think all of us need a, a little this, bit of that. If I've been taught this know. as a child, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. But I, I think that that is one of the ones that I think, and I I, I love the idea that you were talking about. You know starting from a blank canvas and just working with start from where you are like with what you have and and making like that that you know how you always heard people say uh we were poor but I never knew it mm-hmm. you always hear people say that and, and there are other people that you know they just they just tell the kids every day you haven't got anything and just make them crazy so, right right so it's finding that talent yeah you know and what I, I, I was looking at oh I'm sorry no, please, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, like, you know, I we have three kids in my family, and you know, come from a mother and father, and it's funny because all three of us have three distinctly different, you know, fiscal personalities. And I was sort of looking at your book and reading it, and I was thinking that each one of us may, I'm thinking why we're so different is we each came along at a different point in our parents' lives and careers, you know, that maybe their attitude towards money was different when each one of us was in those formative years, and, and it's, this right. is their fault why we're all so different. <laughs> you know, so we have the, the, my older brother is such a spendthrift that's just unbelievable. He can just blow through money. And I'm like, yeah, you were the firstborn, and you just got everything. Everybody was just giving you everything. <laughs> and then I come along. You know, I'm the first girl, so I'm a little spendthrift, but not quite that much. But I can I can dial it down. So, you know, there were the two kids, and my mother and father were probably like, oh, you know, you know we got we to share, we got to do this or whatever. And then by the time my younger brother comes down, this poor kid, you know, there's three kids. My mother's just two through. You know, he's not getting any. 
anything new. Everything is a hand-me-down. He's just a tightwad. He's like, he's not spending any kind of money. So I'm like, okay, your book just clarified for me how our parents made us from, you know, completely crazy to the other far side where, you know, you got to put a Spencer's clause in the in the trust account because the first one is just going to spend everything. So I'm like, and I've never understood it, Joy, so thank you. Thank you for that. No, it is it is it is very much the case. I was the youngest girl and I hear from my older sisters. I mean my the, the sister before me is <clears throat> excuse me, sixteen years no thirteen years, sixteen and twenty years older. So mm. they remember really, really t- tough times and they said by the time I came along things were easier. There was another man in the house, my my stepfather um, and he had a job at a bank, so things, you know, money was coming in. Um, things were just a little bit easier. So I don't remember being, like, we were poor. We had a house. Right. I had tons of tons of gifts at, under the tree. So I don't, I don't remember that until after my mom passed away, and then I was with my sisters, and there was a dress, I remember I wanted this dress for prom. And it, looking back, it was probably the ugliest dress, but I just wanted that dress. <laughs> and the dress was like, I think the dress was $100. Oh, and, my. But yeah, this was like 1980, 1980, and the dress was 100 And my sister was struggling. I mean, she couldn't afford the dress, but she whatever she did, she got me this little ugly dress. I think I still have a picture of me. And, and <laughs> you better still have a picture. hundred dollars. You better have a picture. So I, 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 I remember being having things like toys and stuff a lot when my mother was a lot and then going to Catholic school. And then when she died, things changed. So I, I think mm. I, I know both sides of not having and then having, you know, having, not having. And then now I feel like, okay, I'm okay um, yeah. I always feel like we could do better, but I, I I understand that that delayed gratification and trying to you know really look at things and say okay I don't really need that like being in the store last night knowing I did not need those purple gloves and I left those purple gloves in the store because I didn't <laughs> you did. even though I could afford to buy mm. them you're lucky Angelina didn't them. visit with you she would have those purple gloves would have been in her hands <laughs> I was I wanted those purple gloves. I wanted them, but um, so Joy, what I'd like you to do before we run out of time is you have seven guiding principles, and I would like you to just go through. Um, and I, actually, I'll read them real quick, and then you could just pick up on e- any of them that you think we haven't really touched upon any piece um, in this okay. discussion. So the first one is presence of mind, presence mm-hmm. of heart, presence of faith, presence of courage, presence of resources, which we just talked about, presence of connectedness. Presence of value. I think I got all seven of them. Yeah. So if, mm-hmm. if there's any one in particular you want to to address, I mean, I I, I have my choices, but I'm going to let you, as as the author of the book, <laughs> choose which one, choose which one you want to, or which few you want to try to 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 discuss. With. Well, uh, why don't we start with presence of faith? Because uh, well, I am you know the product of uh, I'm a PK. And my grandfather was a minister, and my dad was a minister, actually the first African-American minister in the Dutch Reformed Church, which was the, which was the mm. church of South Africa. So, mm. um, you know, it was uh, it was quite uh, newsworthy when, when he first uh, started uh, pastoring the church in the South Bronx. 
And so I was in church all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Sundays, Saturdays, you know, and in every club and every chorus and, you know, everything. So that's the way I grew up. But then when my husband died, I, I actually made a – I tried to make a deal as I was going to the hospital following the ambulance. Uh, I made a deal with God. I said, you let him live. And, I, and the only thing I could give up was my smoking. And I said, I will stop smoking if you just let him live. And, of course, he did not. And so I kept smoking, and I basically cut out, you know, the church for the next two years. But then mm. when I moved back to uh, my parents' house in the Bronx, um, I, I found my praying voice again and realized that, you know, as Dr. Martin Luther King says, you know, faith is really sort of taking that first step, even though you don't see mm. the end of the staircase. And uh, mm-hmm. I knew that I had to do certain things in order for for my, you know, kids to to not just survive but to thrive. Right. And, um, so I had to make certain decisions, like sending Wes to to um, military school when he was 12 years old was a real leap of faith because I didn't really like the military. I knew I hated guns, uh, and I knew he would be, you know, influenced by the military thinking, and so I said, am I making a mistake? Is he going to come back hard? Because he was always such a playful kid, and, oh, is he going to come back hard and militaristic and blah, 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 and, and but I had to I had to make that decision, and um, it, it, it worked out, and mm. so um, I was, my faith, once again, was sort of, was justified, and so that's how I, I lived my life once I make the, and and I think believing that there is something bigger than yourself and therefore mm-hmm. you have to really um, look to that higher power for guidance has been my, so that's why I call it one of my guiding uh, pillars. Um, so do you want me to go into another one? Yeah. Oh, that's, sure. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, connectedness. Um, he, um, I think it's sort of that connectedness between not only with your children and the rest of the pride that helps you with your family, but it's that connectedness with yourself. Um, mm. You know, knowing that if you're not right, there's no way that your family is going to be right. You have to take time for yourself. You have to uh, nurture that which is within you and, you know, keep you strong, be it, you know, through exercise or or uh, or meditation or I have this thing that I describe in the book called my my um triangle day. You know, when things get really, really hectic and, you know, and crazy around me, I just say, Okay, turn off the T V and, you know, well sometimes I keep the T V on, but I'll turn off the phone, don't look at any emails or anything like that. And I go from my bed to the bathroom to the kitchen. That's all I do all day long. <laughs> and that's my yep. triangle. And that is my way of restoring. Now, and I realize that not everyone can do that, but if you have a, a pride that is around you, sometimes just a couple hours when someone can take the kids or, you know, do something else so that you have a little time for yourself. Um, can that is so important. Yeah, exactly. It really is. You know, know, we've talked about it so many times in every topic. You know, sooner or later it touches back 
to mm-hmm. taking time for yourself and getting yourself straight, no matter what topic we have talked about. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's yeah, because, important. you know, that analogy, you got to put that, that oxygen mask on yourself first before you're able to help anyone else. And unfortunately, particularly in the black community, I spoke earlier a couple months ago at a conference, uh, a women's conference, and we talked about mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And we really talked about that whole issue that we have where we try to do so much to the Mm -hmm. point of actually harming ourselves and then when when we get to that breaking point, because we have that mask, because we have that that commitment to that public persona, that never let them see you sweat, you know, just continue to push and succeed and overcome and, you know, just grit your teeth and, and bear and push through it, that we don't even allow ourselves to acknowledge even then. And we might, you know, cry by ourselves or, you know, take that sick day, but then, you know, mm-hmm. you put your makeup back on the next day and go ahead on to work. But there's still mm-hmm. some stuff that needs to happen. But, right. but yep. we've broken ourselves and because we don't allow for the intermediate um, self-care. And I love that triangle day. That's yeah, great. you do. But it's like you said at the very beginning, you don't fight, you don't fight against the pain. I mean, you you, you got to yeah. connect and, and acknowledge it and, and let the pride know, you know. That's right. Well, there's one story there. I don't know if you uh, read it. The one, um, one of the people I interviewed, um, Terry Williams, and oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and 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 I really tried to get sort of a mosaic of, of different kinds of relationships mm. as single mom because she was not a mom, but she sort of helped raise. She adopted, you know, a, a, at that point he was a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. Not formally adopted, but I mean, he literally took over his rearing. And um, and talk about a superwoman. When I met Terry, she was at Essence, and um, she started you know, one of the fastest-growing um, public relations firms in the country. With Eddie Murphy was the first client, and mm-hmm. after that, you know, this one and that one. Uh, you know, Miles Davis. I mean, she had everybody. And um, and but. She was she suffering from um, she suffered from depression, and um, and it wasn't until she they couldn't reach her for three her friends couldn't reach her for about three days, and her girlfriend wow. came and found her and literally took her up and you know helped her get the help that she needed. So, um, and, and you know that's why self care is. So very critical, particularly for many of us who are on the front lines and basically are taking care of other people. We need to take care of ourselves and make sure that we take care of ourselves and we can be even better uh, enabled to take care of others. But a lot of times we don't see that we need this ourselves. I'm really glad that, um, you know, we are talking and discussing about this because it's a constant reminder to me. Right, but I can see how the guilt would come roaring out, you know, when you decide you want to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right, right. You feel like you're selfish if you do something for yourself. If you, okay, close the door. Okay, I'm taking a shower. Okay, I'm taking a bath. (laughs) (laughs) After doing everything all day, can I just have 
10 minutes to myself. I'm reminded of, um, I don't know how many people watch Claws, but at least Sabrina and I watch Claws, where she's taking care of her brother who was autistic, um, and he's older, and she comes home from work, you know, long day at work, and she's just in the bathroom. She just wants a moment, and he's losing his mind over everything that's going wrong in the, in the house. And she's like, can I just log five minutes? Because you know you end up taking care of everybody, and you just don't—you don't have time for yourself, and um, and 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 you feel guilty, and you think people are gonna talk bad about you because you are trying to take care of yourself. I'm just like, look, keep it it together. You know, Mm -hmm. those people will be there to be all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. We have to do that, and and we have to be able to say, you know, to call out. That's why the pride is so important. um, That you there's somebody, and they say the same thing, you know, about kids. uh, You know that there is, yet a kid has to have one person, at least one person in their lives that truly, truly believes in them. Um, Mm. Sort of that unconditional, and that's sort of the heart. Pillar. That's what that addresses. Uh, that there is this unconditional. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, your ride or die, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I will not let you go, you know, to the other side, you know, to do things that are bad. But I will be there to support you, to do whatever you need to do to become a productive. Stuff. That is wow. really, really key, Joy. That is truly um, prophetic words. We just had a situation in my uh, my kids, my stepkids, where um, our daughter was going through something and she didn't let us know. We didn't find out until yesterday. And we're like, wait a minute, let us know. Let us be upset or deal with it, but mm-hmm. let us know. We're here for you. You know, it's like if we don't know, then we can't help you. But if we do, then it's, right. it's just something that makes easier on everyone. And, and I think I got through to her when I talked to her. they <laughs> like, look. We're we're your parents. We're here to help you and support you to the extent we can. But you gotta let us know, you know. And I I don't know that she really um, she was trying to do it on her own. You know, some of these kids they try to do it on their own, like they grow grown, even though she's a little grown. Um, they can't always. So so yeah. um, I, I appreciate you saying that. They they need to know that there's someone in their corner. And I think you know because I married her dad three years ago. Um, and when we moved away, it's been a little bit more challenging. But um, I I appreciate that. Um, I also want us to to um, look at the time. We are we have about six minutes left, and I want Joy. I want you to be able to say some last minute things, but turn it back over to Trina and Sabrina if they have any last comments or questions, and then um, we will close it out. Um, we'll let you say your your piece, and then um, I will talk about our next show in December. Yeah, so um, I'm 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 so excited for for you and you taking this next step in on top of all your other success to to becoming an author and sharing the mother's end of the story of your son and and what he was able to share. And I'm I'm just curious as to whether you are planning to do any more writing, or if you have a project in the works. I I don't. Uh, it was birth in this one was was 
<laughs> pretty uh, dramatic. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I did think I had a story to tell, and if, in fact, down the road, I mean, I haven't told the story of the single dad, and I've been getting some heat about that. Um, Uh-oh. That's I know. They just they just can't leave nothing alone, huh? No, but <laughs> but I keep telling them this is for them too, and this really okay. is a book not just for single moms because actually yeah. a lot of the comments that I get, many almost the majority of comments that I get are from young families, you know, whether they're single uh, or or two parents, because there are things that all all families can use. So I'm sure I'm glad about that. That um, so, you know, as long as this one is useful and you know people want to hear about it, I'll I'll do that. But probably I'll let Wes is working on another book, so I'll just let him put his one out first, and then I'll see. <laughs> well, this is Sabrina, and one thing I'd like to take away from this being, like I said, just friends of of, of people that are in uh, single moms or single dads even too. Um, you know, I think those of us, you know, we need to look and see, you know, to make sure you check on your girl and that uh, it's, it's, it's okay because maybe she is not ready to ask. But you can ask and see what you can do to help. So think about that when you think about your, your friend who has, uh, you know, got one or two and she's by herself. Right. Exactly. So that's Thank you for that. That is absolutely right. So, but I, wow. I thank you, you all for this. This has been uh, well, it's been fun, uh, number one. But it, I, I thank you for allowing me <laughs> to talk about the book, and you know, and hopefully, um, you know, be able to sort of spread the word that that there are there are things, there are people, there are resources, you know, who are willing and able to to help, you know, families who may be struggling or or just need a little bit of help sometimes. So, mm-hmm. so I hope you know people do get that message. Yeah. And just the information, you know, just get the information. And in this day and age, you know, you shouldn't be sitting there in the dark not knowing where to turn to get something. I think that, uh, you know, if you can Google all this crazy stuff you Google, and you can Google some smart stuff too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, Jan, I have a question for you. Um, when are you, where are you signing books and, you know, speaking and all of that in the next, I guess, several weeks or months so that if you're in the D.C. metro area, or if you want to come to Delaware, please let me know. Delaware is in me. Well, it's not that oh, far. If you have a venue, I'm I'm, I'm there. Um, okay. okay. On my website, we do have the, the appearances that are coming up. Like this weekend, I'm at the Miami Book Fair, Book Festival. Um, but uh, then I'll be in Arkansas later on in the month, uh, and then mm. down to Florida. So, but it, all of the the appearances will be on my website. And the website address is power dash of presence dot com. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Power dash Mhm. Well. On behalf of Revolutionary Sisters, I just have to say thank you so much. Um, I have sent a message to you on Facebook because that's how it seems like I'm able to communicate with a lot of people. I sent a message to you saying, hey, you want to be on the show? And you're like, yeah, here, get in touch with my publicist. So it was just like, okay, I'm going to get in touch with your publicist. I want you on the show. So I really appreciate you 
um, agree to be to be on the show. Um, we always are trying to have you know really topical issues, and and this definitely is one um, when we're dealing we're talking about mothers and parenting. So I appreciate you tremendously, um, and you are bigger than your son. I would just like to say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I can say all your kids because I met your daughter. She came with you to OSF. Um, That's yeah, she was there. And I was like, hmm, all your kids are great. What are you doing? <laughs> they're, all, they're all great. But that's because they, they had get a They get it from their mama. Aww. Yeah, that's they get right. it from their mama. So thank, thank you very much. Um, we really appreciate you being on. Nikita, do you have any last minute words? Uh, over this bill, Joy, that you were able to join us. You bring Joy to us all. <laughs> and um, continue to be a part of the Delaware Care Sisters of the Night. Yeah, we'll be in touch. But I'm going to see what I can do in Delaware. Um, okay. <laughs> so with that, we're going to we're going to close out our show, and um, our next show will be December 20th, and it'll be a surprise show because we will be taking a little break for the holidays, and we will um, re-air one of our uh, shows that we've um, done over the past year. We don't know which show yet, so it'll be a surprise to everyone listening. Again. Gonna have to tune in to find out. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll post it on Facebook and Twitter. But um, all of our shows have been just tremendous this year, so I'm really, really gonna be um, excited to figure out which one. Which one? We may have to put all of them in a hat and pick one out. But um, <laughs> December, December 20th at 7 p.m. same time. So thank you all. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. All of that. We probably won't speak to you before then. So take care. Be well. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Joy. It was great. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.